Hello, and welcome to the Chapel of the Cross podcast. I'm Elizabeth Marie Melshona, Rector of the Parish. In today's episode, we'll be sitting down with our new curate for families and youth, the Reverend Dr. Karen Connor McGugan. Karen, welcome not only to the podcast, but also to the Chapel of the Cross. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here. So right now we are adjacent to UNC's campus, and this is a familiar space to you, yes? It is, yes. I was an undergraduate here from 2004 until 2008. Actually lived here until 2009, which means I got to experience not one, but two men's basketball national championships. Wonderful. I grew up in Greensboro and came here originally intending um, to major in biology and prepare for a career in medicine. I quickly realized that that was not aligned with my skill set, <laughs> but I did un- end up having a wonderful experience here, both as a major in the religion department and as a student leader at the UNC Wesley campus ministry. I was Methodist at the time, and my experience there was really of a place where I could be fully myself for the first time and have a space to ask all of my hard questions Mm -hmm. and not so much get answers, but be in community with people who were asking the same questions and working towards lives of discipleship. Yeah, what a what a great gift. For some people that happens in high school, for some people it happens in college, but what a what a gift to find that space where you can ask big, hard questions. And my hope for our parish is that you know this this is a place that's a it's a school for the soul and it's where you mm-hmm. can come whether whether you're 14 or 94 ask and live the answers to those hard, big questions. Yes, exactly. It's so important to have that space, safe space and mm-hmm. that community. Mm-hmm. And some of the people that I met then are still really important people in my life yeah. now. And perhaps being back, back right here after peregrinations that took you to the Northeast, you'll be able to Reconnect, but I think your path from here took you up to Yale Divinity School. That's right. Yep. Yep. So you started there and undertook a master MAR, which is Masters of Arts and Masters of Arts and Religion in Biblical Studies. Okay, that's right. So does that mean you took Greek, Hebrew? Yes. Okay. Yes, I started studying those languages here at UNC. Um, when I was a mentee of Bart Ehrman in the religion department. And that was when I first became so interested in the earliest Christians and sort of the second and third centuries as sort of laboratories of creativity when, um, you know, these folks were, you know, asking questions and the canon was forming and they were just sort of trying to figure out what this amazing thing was that they were doing. And I just became fascinated with the ways that they were forming and reading scripture and what they were doing with it. And so I'm getting excited listening to you talk about it. <laughs> so I took that curiosity with me to Yale Divinity School and studied 
Coptic and Syriac there too, and kind of spent a lot of time with manuscripts and books, and it was a lot of fun. And your dissertation was has a great title. Does it stick in your head, or shall I read it? <laughs> you might have to read it to me. So, uh, Suppers in the Times of the Kingdom, yes. I think it was. Yes. Yeah. Food, Drink, and the Resurrected Body in Early Christian Thought. That's, yes, that was the title. Yeah. I just, yeah. That, that's a powerful, having not yet read it, there, there's some, it evokes some powerful imaginings about what, what are our community rituals. You know, we have the Eucharistic community rituals, but, but what are those other rituals that we share as Christian community? And how does that, how does that inform our practice? And likewise, how does that then inform our rituals? And so I'm curious, having done the work that you've done academically and gone from, you know, early, early Christian church to now, Mm -hmm. how do you think about community and Christian community and building community? Well, I think first of all, that God provides us with the best possible example of community in the Trinity Mm -hmm. that, you know, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, or the Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer, that all three are completely different from one another, and yet they coexist together in perfect community with no hierarchy, but just mutuality. And so obviously we as humans aren't capable of replicating this, but (laughs) no, no, but we are called to do our best. So I think with the Trinity as our model for community, we can try to cultivate relationships of love and acceptance, not just in spite of our differences, but because of them. And I think that we really do this by trying to listen actively to one another with empathy and curiosity and without judgment. So I think these are the types of relationships that I've tried to cultivate in my work as a hospital chaplain and in my roles as a teaching fellow during my doctoral program and as a grief group facilitator more recently. And, you know, I hope they're the types of relationships that we can continue to build here in this parish and especially among youth and their families. Yeah. It's just, I'm, I'm curious. I heard you mention in a staff meeting, and I want others to be able to hear more a little bit about, it sounds like you took two 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 mission trips this summer with youth from different Episcopal parishes. And I'm curious if there were glimpses of community that you saw there, either that was existing relationship or new relationships that flourished. Yeah, absolutely. So I was really fortunate to be able to travel a little bit, both with the Christ Church Youth, the church where I've been on staff for the past few years um, while I've been in formation coordination, and also with the youth at the Church of the Nativity in North Raleigh, which is my sponsoring parish. I think just it, the the first trip with Christ Church was a, a work trip um, in the Appalachian Mountains, and the trip with the Nativity Youth was a sort of off-the-grid retreat out in the mm-hmm. woods for a few days. Um, And I think that in both cases, what I saw was just how important it is for youth to 
have a space where they can sort of set aside some of the significant academic and social pressure Mm. that they're under and to just be able to be themselves Mm -hmm. and sort of like me and my campus ministry to have a place where they can ask those really hard questions about Mm -hmm. God and maybe not get answers, but get support and engagement from Mm -hmm. one another and from adults who care about them. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, to get outside some of the realities of their daily lives Mm -hmm. and have an opportunity to form relationships with people who have had totally different lives and experiences from them, you know, Or in the case of the nativity retreat, to engage in new liturgical practices that might be a little bit out of their comfort zones, like walking a labyrinth and chanting. So it was just such a privilege to be part of both of these experiences and to watch the youth grow through them and to get to form relationships with these incredible young people. It is, it, is a, it is a great gift to get to accompany folks. It really is. It really is. So yeah. thinking about community, what's the community at your house look like? Who, with whom do you live? <laughs> <laughs> I live with my spouse, Will, mm-hmm. who is an electrical engineer who works at a firm in Raleigh. And with our two children, Clayton, who goes by Clay, who's a rising second grader, and Catherine, who is three and a half, and they are both totally different (laughs) and absolutely wonderful in their own unique ways. And we also have um, two dogs, uh, rescue labs, and a cat, and a snake and a bearded dragon. Oh my goodness. So our house is full. I did not know about the reptiles. Yeah. This is exciting. (laughs) Well, I grew up with reptiles. I've actually had the snake since I was in high school. Really? Really. Does, could you share the snake's name? The snake's name is Socrates. (laughs) (laughs) That is wonderful. And he was about the size of an earthworm when I got him as a sophomore in high school. And now he is a grumpy old man who's about five feet long and lives in my son's bedroom. Maybe a pet blessing appearance. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So what what do you like to do for fun? I realized in the question I asked, what do you like to read for fun? Because I made the assumption because I believe that reading is fun. (laughs) I also believe that reading is fun. But I don't want to limit it just to that. (laughs) No, I love to read for fun. I think after I finished grad school, it took me a little bit to reclaim reading as a practice that Mm -hmm. is fun. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I do have time and space to do that, um, I love historical fiction. I love a good mystery thriller but pretty much anything. And I really enjoy hiking. Mm -hmm. I grew up hiking a lot in the North Carolina mountains, and that's something that feels really fulfilling and important to me. And it's something that I like to do with my family and kids now when I can. I hear you. Yeah. (laughs) The key is how do you get the three-year-old to hike? That is a challenge. And it's it's especially a challenge right now because she has just recently outgrown 
the hiking backpack Mm -hmm. so she can no longer be carried. And when we took her on vacation last week or the week before to the mountain, she kind of stomped along behind us and proclaimed that she was not having very fun. Yes. Pretty much the whole time. Yes. Oh, well, we are having very fun (laughs) having you join us on the staff team. And I wonder... I wonder if before we go today, you, I find that everybody has a slightly different habit or practice given where they are in their season of life. Are there prayer practices that you're finding particularly nourishing now as a newly ordained person, as a parent, in the midst of transition? Yeah, there are. I'm finding it, I think in an ideal world, I would be able to set aside a lot of time for quiet, solitary prayer. And that just isn't space that really exists in my life right now. Actually, ironically, considering what we're doing right now, I'm finding podcasts to be really helpful. There's a wonderful morning prayer podcast that um, fits perfectly into the space of my commute. And so I have been doing morning prayer via podcast while commuting, and I find that it really centers me and grounds me through the day and through this transition, and that when I can sort of recognize God's presence in, you know, those small aspects of my life, it enables me to be more prepared to embrace them as I walk with other folks who are doing the same. Thank you. Of course. We're delighted to be with you. And I'm, I'm truly excited for folks to, over time, as, as relationships unfold, get to know you. I am so excited for that too. And so grateful and glad to be here. Thank you. The Chapel of the Cross is an Episcopal church in the heart of Chapel Hill and the university community. Find out more at thechapelofthecross.org. There you can find our latest news and events, connect with our pastoral care team, Faith in Action Ministries, and offer a prayer request. You can also find us on social media, on Instagram at thechapelofthecross, and on Facebook and Twitter at C-O-T-C, Chapel Hill. May you be nourished by the word to serve in the world.